So welcome back. Um, so we do have uh, a possibility now of asking or questions or commenting on the talk, if you like. It's up to you. Uh, is anybody interested in? Sorry about this. Does anybody have any questions they would like to ask? Zani has a question. Thank you. Save the day there. A <laughs> <laughs> um, um, couple of days ago, uh, something triggered me in the feeling of uh, that I'm a total loser. And usually I would try to run away from this feeling, like, you know, watch something or run or read or talk or just so I don't have to be in this feeling. So now I decided I'm going to stay in this feeling. And, yeah, it doesn't really help. <laughs> uh, is, maybe you can suggest what would be the ways how to deal with this kind of trigger and what, what can I do to um, what can I do to this feel do with this feeling basically yeah thank, thank you, you. that's a very helpful or very good question in terms of dealing with our difficult emotions or reactions or self perceptions um, maybe I can talk about this from my perspective and how I've dealt with um, certain difficult emotions. For many, many years, um, I had a fear of being in public. You know, things like this would terrify me, sitting up here. And uh, it went on for years and years and years. And I couldn't bear it, so I just thought I'd keep pushing myself into it. And the fear was bad enough. But after a while, there's another emotion that manifested underneath that. It's like it was, it was what I was frightened of. And it was like humiliation. It was the fear of the, the fear was based on a perception that I would become humiliated by um, being in a public situation of or that was vulnerable. So, um, and I was interested in this because I'd never felt humiliation before. I'd had plenty of opportunities, but I'd suppressed it. I'd pushed it down. I'd pushed it away. Um, and then I became incredibly frightened of situations that would give the possibility for that emotion to arise. So there was a sort of... Um, it, it became more complex, if you like. It became complexified because I'd suppressed it so strongly that there are emotions around it as well as the emotion itself. But as soon as the emotion arose, that particular feeling of shame or humiliation, it was very similar. Sometimes it would be shame, sometimes humiliation, but they, they feel pretty much the same. Um, there is a slight difference. Um, the fear dropped away. You know, I was no longer frightened of the situations. I would still feel the humiliation and the shame. And that wasn't as half half as bad as the fear, the fear actually. The fear was much more unpleasant because if the fear was always telling me things are going to go wrong, it's going to be a disaster, they're all going to laugh at you, you know, you're a complete basket case, a loser, a waste of time. But the humiliation didn't say that, it just was a feeling. It 
was just that much. And yes, it was very unpleasant. And yes, it didn't go away for a while. And it kept coming back, and sometimes more strongly. But each time it came back, my ability to be with it was um, became more developed. I would soften around it. You know, I could soften the energy, the, the, the mind energy around it, and the body would start relaxing around the emotion. Because the fear had come from all the tension, the holding in the body of not wanting this emotion. So I was holding it like in my guts and my chest. And then the fear was plastered on top of it, the whole thing. So my whole torso was like this raging ball of tension and heat. And once the fear dropped away, some layers had gone. And then there was still the tension and the, the, the feeling of shame or humiliation that was there. But gradually I started to relax into it over time. It wasn't just one session of this. You know, it came up, I sat with it for a day and something happened like I was working and then it had gone. I didn't know, notice it going, it just had. And then it came up again later and it seemed to come up with more intensity than before. But it's like there was more space for it. There was more, um, there was less resistance to it. So the more space, the less I resisted. It was the less I believed what it was saying as well. You know, the, the voices that came with it just fell away. I wouldn't believe that this was true anymore. You know, I, I wasn't, as I was saying before, I wasn't proliferating. I wasn't making it bigger than it really was. I wasn't making a mountain of humiliation out of a molehill. So it came in, it was there, however much it was, and then it slowly would fade away. And a lot of the time to start with, it was just because I got distracted, it was gone. I didn't notice it finish. But then there came a time where it sort of crescendoed, if you like. It filled the whole body with humiliation, but it wasn't the same level of intensity in terms of a crescendo. It was just the, the, the amount of it and where it was. It was like in every pore, even in the head. And I had to do a lot of work here to open up the throat area because that was incredibly tight around the jaw. So it just became, everything became relaxed with this very, very unpleasant emotion. And then I saw it cease, it stopped. Yeah. And still occasionally it will arise but it'll be fainter all the time. And sometimes I don't even know what it is. It takes me a while to realize because it's so soft and so gentle and the body's so relaxed with it. It's like it's come in, it's doing its thing and then it goes. And, but there's no sense of resisting it anymore. And I don't worry, there's, there's no anxiety about feeling this way. Like these people are gonna th think I'm a complete idiot if I'm feeling shame or humiliation which was part of it, there's none of that anymore. It's just an emotion. It's just that much. And that's how all these things have to be treated as just that much. Even though there's the intensity st to start with, you don't get caught up in the thinking mind around it, the proliferation saying, God, am I really such a loser? Or am I really so shameful? Or, you know, just let all that go and just feel. Like I was saying, you turn away from thinking, you relinquish thinking, you turn into feeling these things. And this is how you allow them to cease. 
It's like the, the escape hatch is making it conscious. And it's so wrapped up in the body as well. You know, the tensions in the body that we feel a lot of the time are emotions that we've been holding, that we don't, don't like, maybe for a whole lifetime, or even longer maybe. So you're doing the right thing by allowing it to do, be there. When we turn away from an unpleasant emotion, like an unpleasant emotion comes into consciousness, we turn away, we tend to turn away, either distract ourselves, but normally it can be into sensuality, like we go to the fridge, we read a book, we turn the telly on, sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, we turn to them to get away from unpleasant feeling. And sometimes the, the pattern is so strong, we don't even know we're feeling an unpleasant emotion or feeling. It's, it's just about to come up and we've turned already because the habit's so strong. And that keeps it all suppressed in the body. And then we think all these emotions out. We think we're a bad person. Or we think anxious thoughts, but we don't actually feel them anymore. They're just boiling under the surface. And that is the cause of obsessive thinking, is this boiling emotion under the surface. And this is why this area is so important as well, because when emotion comes up, it hits here. And then this is like the verbalization of emotion. It's like we think in words, basically, but this is the place we suppress. This is the verbalize, the verbal. And the verbal, the verbal content comes into the mind and we're thinking out emotions, but that doesn't clear them out. It just creates more. So this is why it's so important to open up and whatever comes in, is, it's supposed to come in. It's supposed to be there. It's not an enemy. It's a sign that things are being released and relieved, but it is uncomfortable. And it's not going to end in the timescales that we are prescribing. It's going to end when it ends. So like I said, I had to go through this many, many times with this intense shame because I pushed it away for so long. But the trick is not to believe the thought processes that arise around it because they're just increasing it. You just have the feeling, then let it be there. And don't believe that that emotion is any true representation of who and what you are. Because it's not. We've, we've already discussed that. It's passing through. All your emotions are just passing through. They're guests. Your consciousness is perfectly pure. It cannot be damaged or stained in any way whatsoever by yourselves or anybody else. That's what our refuge is. This stuff that's coming through is called kamma or vipaka kamma. It's, it's the result of living a life as a human being. Our conditioning, the way we've been brought up, or the way people have treated us, like things that you're talking about could come from your schooling or your parents or someone close to you who, who rejected you or looked down on you, you know, and the emotions weren't actually dealt with at the time. You turned away from them into a particular um, method of distraction and then they were just left there to fester. But they do affect our consciousness, our decision-making or our confidence even. Because they're, they're bubbling under the surface. They have sort of, they have an effect on the mind, but much more subtly. So what you're experiencing through the meditation is, is perfect practice. You just come into the present. Whatever arises is allowed to be there, even if you are resisting it. 
That's the first step. You gradually learn how to stop resisting it because resisting it is creating more suffering for yourself. You've got an unpleasant emotion. Resisting it is creating more unpleasant feeling. So gradually you stop resisting, allowing it to be there, and it will cease as is, it, as is its nature because it's not who and what you are. It's like if we look up at the sky, all the clouds in the sky, the birds, the aeroplanes, they're not the sky, they're passing through the sky. You know, the sky doesn't get upset when it rains. It's just raining. If we keep turning away from these emotions, it's like we're following a dark cloud around all the time. We're not giving it a chance to pass by. And then, even though this is an unpleasant emotion, it will affect us much more if we keep pushing it down and distracting ourselves because it will keep undermining our ability to be stable and, and free in the present. It will keep us from being comfortable where we are. We'll keep wanting to get out of the present reality and we can't. It's our home. We have to make friends with the present. It's all there is for any of us, and it's all there'll ever be, is the present. So whatever's there is supposed to be there. It cannot hurt or damage you. You just have to make friends with it. And when you make friends with it, it will leave you alone. If you keep pushing it away, it'll keep coming back. Does that make any sense? Anybody else? Hello. Um, yes, just a very quick question. Do we make a difference between consciousness and awareness? Um, I could, but I won't. <laughs> Because uh, there's no point, really. You know, when, when consciousness is perfectly pure, that's just awareness. You know? you know, awareness, consciousness, same thing, knowing. You know, want to keep it simple. It's just like there's knowing. You know, we can know about hundreds of thousands of things, but knowing is just now. It's just knowing what we're seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and cognizing. That's it, it's very simple. But it's knowing about things that causes us problems. Not in terms of our um, conventional life, but in terms of our freedom. You know, we don't need to know about a thousand things, different things. We just need to know what's happening right now to be free, keeping it simple. We don't, it doesn't need to be more complex than that. So with... Yeah, awareness, consciousness, um, knowing. It's best just to say the same thing, otherwise it does get confusing. Even though I, I do use the three different words, but it's rather for variety rather than any different meaning.
public too, especially the speaker. Um, I, I was just noticing recently in my meditation, the mind would just really be shooting big yeah. time. Yeah. And then eventually, underneath, there'd be a feeling there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would take ages for me to get to that feeling. Yeah. You know, I'd be up, walking up and down. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed, to be a, it seemed to be a long process, like the whole day. I might then, just by the end of the day, start to be able to settle into that yeah. feeling that's underneath. Yeah. But I had to endure all these different yeah. being, you know, taken yeah. out and yeah. then trying to, oh, what's happening? And almost listening to what the dialogue was, but I, I don't know how helpful that is. So uh, whether that's helpful to see yeah. what's going on with the, the mind battering yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, we use skillful means, so whatever's you know, we develop our own skillful means. There are plenty there. Um, but f in my own experience, after a while, this, this process of a lot of thinking just dies away. And, you know, it's like if you are living on junk food, you're going to be really unhealthy. But if you see what the mind does and you stop putting a lot of rubbish into it, you stop spewing it out. You know, if you're careful what you watch on television, what you read, what you look at on the internet, then gradually your mind will naturally have less to say to you. You know, it'll have less opinions, um, less views, and it'll be stirring up less and less emotion. So this, this process of bearing with the rattling in the mind will take less and less time until you get beneath that to the emotion. But at the same time, if you, if you do put your awareness into the body as a technique, like I use a full body awareness um, style, so I just sit and feel my whole body. Immediately I'm in touch with what I'm feeling emotionally and the sensations. So there is this, the effort, if there's a lot of thinking going on, you know, thought is attractive to consciousness. It's used to going there and saying, oh, that's interesting. And so the awareness will come up. But if you're just in the body, you know that going to that is only going to create more, more problems. You just stay with the body and allow it to burn itself away, the thinking processes. And, you know, if you always want to know what it's got to tell you, it's going to take a long time because that creates a lot more. Normally it's got nothing to tell you worth listening to. It's just going around in circles. So... You're best just letting it to burn away and then the emotional state underneath it will tell you a lot more about what's going on. You know, you can feel what's fueling the, the mental state and coming to terms with that. You know, insight is about observation and seeing things happen within yourself. It's not about thinking. You're seeing the Buddha's teachings happening between within your consciousness and your body. You know, it's not about thinking about the Buddha's teachings. Obviously, that can help to get a grounding in the intellectual side. But the observation of these teachings played out through our own experience. You know, it's like a picture paints a thousand words. It makes a lot more sense. And it can turn the heart over this level of experience. So in my, my um, personal practice I don't bother with the thinking mind anymore I just if it's if it's going off I just go into the body and it will calm down 
Um, and then there tends to be a lot more space and I can just make consciousness bigger and broader much more quickly. And there can be long, long periods without much thinking at all. You know, you don't, there's, there's no fuel in there because you're not um, putting the mind on unwholesome things. You know, by unwholesome things, I mean that are going to draw up a lot of desire or aversion. Like reading the news is one of the ones that's going to store, drag up a lot of emotion. You know, a lot of bad news and bad people and things to get upset about and angry. And I do read the news, but sometimes I reach the stage where I thought, I've got to go on a fast, you know. So I stop, I just stop reading the news. And I just noticed how much brighter and clearer the mind becomes so quickly because I haven't got this junk going round. You know, so much of it, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just information, more information. Like it's like um, sense impingement, emotional or in, um, information overload on consciousness. And it regurgitates that all the time. It keeps regurgitating it. And if, it, if it's not in the day, you'll dream it out in your sleep as well. Or not be able to sleep at all because there's so much tension held in the body and mind. So, I mean, for a lot of us, it is the emotional world that is, after thinking, it's, it's one of the major obstacles. But you'll notice a huge relaxation once you drop thinking and just go into the emotions. Even though they are unpleasant, the mind is much more stable and peaceful as soon as the thought processes are stopped. Because, not stopped with pushing down, but stopped by leaving alone. It's like I'm choosing something else to pay attention to instead of thinking. I'm not suppressing thought. I'm just, I'm sick to death of thinking. I'm going to pay attention to my right knee. It's much more interesting. So, um, and then you just have this emotional world. And yes, there are unpleasant emotions. And sometimes we think, what do I have to do to get out of this? And we go back into the head again. But that's not the way. It's just being with and creating space for relaxing the body around these emotions. You know, putting your consciousness outside the body even. And, you know, sound, that might sound more difficult than it really is. You just listen. You just sense. It's not that difficult. It's, it's more subtle, but it's not that difficult. And then all of this stuff, the body and mind can relax and it can all... You know, you can have these periods of incredible relaxation where the body lets go of so much tension and it runs out down the hands and feet. And this is when consciousness creates space. There's a space created and some parts of the body and mind can actually relax for the first time in decades even. So I'd advise you not to get up caught up with the thinking. You know, you don't need to know the storyline. You know, I've been listening to the storyline for how many years? So you drop the storyline and just be with what's happening underneath that. Thanks for the clarification. Would you mind little uh, bit elaborate on Mano Sankara and the Vipakkam? Say the first one again. Mano Sankara. Mano Sankara. Yeah. Just mental formations, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so in a way, thinking is, this gentleman said, Vipaka Kama, it means result of action, result of past action, or things that we've done in the past, whether it's just reading a newspaper, listening to music, it can be something very simple, but there'll be a reverberation, if you like, in consciousness, and it will come up and manifest in the mind, sankara, like mental activity, mental emotional activity in the mind. So, um, it's almost like the thinking processes can be, can be vipaka kama themselves, thought itself is not necessarily something we're born with, you know, we don't think in language at one years old or six months. We taught language. So this is another, what you would say, vipakakamma, result of action. And there's nothing wrong with that, like I said before, but to um, be a, a victim of obsessive thinking is, is incredibly unpleasant. And we, we can suffer incredibly with depression and anxiety and anger issues around this. So letting things be is the way out. You know, if we're wrestling with what we're experiencing, then we just create more problems and more karma is created. It's another action. So leaving things as they are, leaving them alone, is the way to relieve all of this. But this is, this is a skill, once again, that we have to develop. It's not something we can nat naturally do because we've habitually been taught to control. You know, from a very young age, we're taught to manipulate control. And when we come to meditation, the same patterns immediately manifest. So when I came to meditation the first time, I didn't know how to let go. But I was an exp expert in getting and getting rid of. So when I first started meditating, letting go was more of a pushing away. Because I didn't know how to let go. The only time I let go of something I wanted was when something more pleasant arose in front of it, and I grabbed that instead. There was no knowledge of letting go or cessation. It was just a function like that. So mental formations, it's like emotions and um, mental activity, thoughts and emotions. And they can be let go of and brought to a place of cessation or stopping. And like the method I just described, getting into the body first, that means you let go of the thinking processes and then thought no longer fuels the emotions. You're just left with the emotional state that you have. Or there may be some there, there may be levels of emotion in the body. And uh, then if you leave them alone, holding, holding the space, if you like, or creating a space for them, they will dissipate over time. They don't move as quickly as thought, though. So it does take a lot of patience. And if the body's involved in um, holding on to emotions, then it will take maybe longer, because for most of us, we have... Um, it's not a deliberate thing we've done, but just to, su to survive in a busy world with lots of impingement, we naturally suppress emotion. We can't help it, just to function. You know, certain emotions are not appropriate at certain times of the day or certain situations. So just to get through, we push it down and get on with life or turn away from it into sensuality. So therefore, we're left with this baggage that we need to clean up and get out.
but it's not something we can get out by an act of will. It's like we just have to open the door and then it has to come out by itself. It's not something we can force because that's more activity. It's like we're resisting again, we're forcing again, and that creates more suffering. So, I mean, this path, the Buddha promises us, promises us that it does lead to the cessation of suffering completely. And, you know, even if we think, well, that's impossible for me, just to actually come and pay attention to a teaching like this, to actually investigate consciousness, to look at the Four Noble Truths, just memorizing them or reading them from a book, whether we know it or not, it is penetrating to a deep, deeper level. You know, it's just sowing seeds for wisdom in ourselves that will grow over time. You know, it, it's, it's a path that we tread, if you like. It's not something that's going to happen overnight for most of us. And some of us will come to this and then go away and come back again and go away again. You know? But each time we pay attention, these seeds are watered, they're developed, and they start to sprout. And wisdom grows. And this is the wisdom you know, that just keeps growing, just keeps giving back over time. Okay, one more. Do you want the microphone? Um, I wanted to ask a question about meditation. Um, when I used to meditate, um, I suddenly I felt one day that I was coming out of my body and looking back at me, and I got frightened. Mm. Uh, and I stopped meditating at that time. Mm. And it is really hard for me to get back into the proper meditation since then. Mm. So what can you do? When you had the experience of coming out of the body, was, was it initially pleasant? I, I, I got so frightened, I didn't want to know it. Mm -hmm. I got really worried. So you, you panicked, basically. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is quite normal. Because what happens when, when consciousness starts to expand, the sense of self starts to diminish, or even chunks of yourself that you thought were fully embedded and really part of you start to fall away. So the sense of being this person, I, you know, I'm like this, I'll always be like this, starts to change. You see that it's a construct, something that's been conditioned over a lifetime and, and held in place. You know, to start with, when we, when we start meditation, we think, oh, it takes a lot of energy to be mindful and, you know, just to keep mindfulness and stay meditating. But after a while, we realize it, it takes far much, far more energy to sustain or maintain a sense of self. And as the self starts to fall away, you, you feel energized, you feel full of energy. Like, like one way of describing enlightenment is like the most energetic peace. It's like full of energy. So, um, but the side effects are expansion. You know, you start to, consciousness starts to expand and very strange things can happen, uh, which can frighten us, but none of it can actually hurt us. Mindfulness is always more powerful, stronger than anything else. Like there's one of these phrases the Buddha said, is like, um, dominated by mindfulness are all things. That means everything. 
Mindfulness, consciousness, and awareness is stronger than everything else. So even though when we start to see these things happen, these strange things happen, like maybe this, you feel as though you're getting out of your body, um, you've always got the power to come back in. You know, your fear, you felt frightened. Did anything more happen? You just felt frightened. Nothing else happened, did it? You just you felt frightened, then you started to contract again. So that's all it was, was just fear. And this happens to all of us because what happens when we expand, like I say, the self starts to fall away and we, we're experiencing something we haven't experienced before. Space, consciousness, light, um, clarity of mind and not feeling as though there's any ground. You know, we've got nothing to hold on to. Um, but you don't need to hold on to anything. Because even if you are holding on, there's still nothing to hold on to. You're just holding on. You know, everything is uncertain. The only thing that's certain is now. The future's always uncertain, even though we create all of these insurance policies and what have you. And, you know, we, we plan for the future in many, many different ways, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's still uncertain, and it will always be that way. You know, because we are fragile creatures. The only certainty we have is that consciousness itself. It is that refuge. That thing that you were frightened of was the place that you will find refuge ultimately. You know, because it's the only thing that's solid. Everything else is passing. You know, consciousness is always present and everything is passing through consciousness. Even these bodies are changing constantly. You know, and, and one day they will change completely. You know, that they will drop down on the floor and they will go back to where they came from. They'll become elemental again. Not, not, not as though they aren't already, but they, they will no longer be alive. But consciousness, what is not there when the body dies? Consciousness is gone. But what's really happened is that body has no longer got the ability to tap into consciousness. It's become so old and worn out that receptor, if you like, fails and the body falls to the ground. Consciousness hasn't gone anywhere. It's still everywhere. It's like space. So what you're experiencing, that expansion, was like yourself was falling away, sense of self was falling away, and you were getting in touch with reality. Not as what you think it is, but what it really is. You know, we see reality as getting up in the morning, having our breakfast, going to work. And there is, yes, I mean, that's the real world on some level. You know, we have to pay attention to those things to feed ourselves, to feed these bodies. But consciousness is not the body. Consciousness knows the body. It experiences the body, but it is not the body. And that's what you're experiencing, the out-of-body experience is, you're not the body, it's just telling you that much. I'm not this, I'm this which is much bigger. And that's not to be frightened of. Your body's not going to go anywhere. It's still going to be alive and you still come back and go for breakfast in the morning, go to work. Nothing changes, but you just, you know that this is no longer who and what you are. And that means you're no longer frightened of dying. Because you know the body wasn't you anyway. It's just like a thought, emotion, a sensation passing through consciousness, like a day, a night, 
a sight, a smell, a sound, a taste. It comes and it goes. And of course it lasts longer. You know, we, we, we are more... Um, we are more... We personalise the body much more than a sight, a sound, a smell, a taste. But ultimately it's not much more than that. If it happens again, so what should we do? What should I do? Well, you, you know, this happens to a lot of people, monks and nuns experiencing this when they, when they start to open. And you just have to calm yourself down. You know, it's like what I would do with, when this would happen, I would just talk to myself. Not like a babbling lunatic, but more like, it's going to be all right, just trust, it's okay. Is there something really there that's going to hurt you? Do you know that? Can you see anything? Can you hear anything? Do you know there's something there? Just questioning my perception, which is saying, oh my God, this is terrible. And believing that, I say, no, I don't believe that. That's just a perception arising in consciousness. It may be backed up by anxiety, but if I believe it, I'm, the anxiety will increase. If I underm undermine the thought process with questioning it or just calming using like the words that I've just uh, suggested, then your, your mind will come back into equilibrium again and you'll be able to rest in that space. And then just feel it out, just trust it. It's not, it's not the enemy, it's, it's your home. You know, it's what, what is really trustworthy. And the Buddha said, this is beyond birth and death. You know, this state, it wasn't born and it doesn't die. The body's born and it dies. Thoughts are born and they die. The ego is born and it dies. But this pure state of knowing is not the same as those. It's what knows all of those things. And all of us can experience that right here, right now. Just by knowing in the present. Knowing all the objects, you're not the objects. You're just that knowing. That's truly what you are, but not as an individual ego entity. When you let go of the sense of separation, then that joins up. It's like when there's a wave on the ocean, yeah? And just imagine that wave feels as though it's alive and it's like, look at me, I'm a wave. Look at, look at me, I'm a wave. Look, over here, I'm a wave. And it's moving towards the shore, but all of that water in the wave is changing as it moves towards the shore. It's not the same water. That wave is water and the water is the wave. But it's not the same water as it goes. It's just a ripple. Yeah? And it's like us. We're taking food, oxygen, everything from the outside all the time. And it's replacing everything on the inside all the time. We're getting everything from outside of ourselves. And I think every seven years, every cell in the body is replaced, they say. But just on a daily basis, we rely on nature to supply this body. If there was no air, no water, no food, no air, we wouldn't last five minutes. We're taking the outside into us all the time as we move through. And consciousness is part of that outside that we're taking through. And eventually, the wave, it hits the shore and it's gone. And that's a metaphor for death. But... 
you know, in fact, it wasn't a wave. It was just water all along. There was no wave. There's no self. The self is, is an imagination, an illusion that we have created. So the self was, was, was born and it will die. It's not part of what carries on. But consciousness is not part of the self. Consciousness can know the self as an object of consciousness. It can know that. Okay. Okay, that's officially the end of today's um, talk and uh, session. So um, thank you very much for coming. I hope some of this was useful today. And uh, if not, you can leave it behind. Whatever it is, please take away. And I'll wait behind here if anyone has any questions. <coughs>